Welcome to the LHA Church Podcast. This is Jerry Galloway, and I'm the pastor of LHA Church. Thanks for joining us today. I pray this blesses you, strengthens your faith to know that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. God is good, amen. He is good. Uh, I want to share with you today, I had uh, a couple months ago, I was uh, listening and watching this teaching, and it just really spoke to me, and uh, so I kind of took it and, and been using it on Wednesday night as well, uh, because I really believe that God is calling his people, uh, like I talked uh, last week, um, calling us to honor, uh, to a life of character, uh, a life of living in authority, and God is just really calling and, and trying to wake up his people and, and once again get his church to desire him, his church to go after him, to seek him. And so I want to talk about that subject of desire this morning and um, talk about a, a couple areas or some big areas that a lot of times we don't even think about or would think that this specific thing is what's keeping us or stopping us or is a wall um, in front of us when it talks about um, in our desire for him and going after God and the things that stop that in our life. And so I want to talk about um, a couple of those things this morning. And um, I want to share with you a stat that's it's, it's mind-boggling, uh, but I do believe it's true because I've seen it firsthand among people that I know and friends uh, that I've had in the last 25 years of ministry. And um, one thing is this. One thing that I've noticed is this. The longer you walk with Jesus, the easier it is to push the big things to the back of the bus. And we know this to be true because what we see uh, and the trend that we've seen over and over again um, in America is is people, as time has went by and they've lived at Christians, things that were, that were vital, the big things that were important, um, 20 years down the road, they've been pushed to the back of the bus and they're not as important. They're not as crucial. And I'm talking about even simple uh, things uh, that, that are crucial, like daily time with God, daily time in his word, daily time in worship, in prayer. And a lot of times, as we just go and live our life, and we get busy with work, we get busy with life, and, and 10 kids, and this and that, um, we, we get busy with life, and all of a sudden, all those big things that are, are most important when it comes to our pursuit of Jesus kind of get pushed to the back of the bus. How many know that that's easy? Not just with that, but how many know there's a lot of big, important things in your life that a lot of times just get pushed to the background because life is just so busy, and, and we just go in, and so we see that all the time, not just with our walk with God, but with other things as well. So listen to this. This is a, a sur- survey done, and on average, only... of people that went to Bible college to pursue God in ministry, only 10% after 20 years were still actively following after Jesus. I I mean, that's that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. So we're, we're talking people that committed their life. They, they're going, they're giving their life for Jesus. They're going into ministry. They're going to give everything to them. And after 20 years, only 10% of 
of those people are still actively with, uh, with this fervor and with might going after Jesus and serving him. That's crazy when you think about it. But I've seen that. Um, I've seen that personally in the last 25 years. Uh, in the last 25 years, those that I started off with in ministry that started about the uh, same time I did, there is very few of them that are still, um, I'm just going to say a lot, of, a lot of them aren't even serving God anymore. And they were in full-time ministry for years, and a lot of them are not even serving God at this point. And so we see that. And so what happens is, is we can make mistakes in our life. And one of the biggest mistakes we make is not having an active pursuit of God day after day. Not having to, to where we allow our desire for more of God just to be satisfied or to be put in the back of the bus. And it's like, well, I don't have time for that right now because I got to do this, this, or this. And so we, when we do that, when we see that kind of stuff happen, then what we can find is next thing you know, when we reflect and we begin to look back at where we're at in our life, we're just like, we're someplace that we never thought we would be. We're not at that place to where our desire is what it once was for a relationship with Jesus, to spend time with him. And I want to read some, uh, some scripture in Nehemiah uh, chapter 9, and, and it's quite a bit, and so I'm just going to kind of read through it, uh, but I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but I'm just going to read sections um, of it so you can follow along, and I'll start in verse 5. But in Nehemiah chapter 9, and want to share this uh, story uh, and this history that's talked about in Nehemiah chapter 9 about the children of Israel, that we know the children of Israel, we've seen all that God did for them and the promises he made for them and the miracles uh, that they saw with their own eyes. And so in verse 5, it says this, and it says, so here they are, the children of Israel, and they're make the, they're, in verse 5, they start off with the declaration, and it is this. And the leaders of God's people said, stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. This is what they're proclaiming. This is what we see. They're saying, hey, this is our responsibility as God's people is to stand up, to give glory, to give praise, to pursue the one and only God forever and ever. That's, that's the declaration. That's uh, what God's plan is for us, to have that relationship with him, that day after day we, we stand up forever and ever and ever and go after him and bless him and worship him and glorify him with our lives. And then it goes and, and drop down to verse 9 and it says this, you saw the afflictions of your fathers in Egypt and heard their cry by the Red Sea. You showed signs and wonders against Pharaoh. And you divided the sea before them, so they went through the midst of the sea on dry land. And their persecutors you threw into the deep as a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover, you led the people, O oh God, by day, with the cloudy pillar, and by night with the pillar of fire, to give them light on the road which they travel. Could you, I mean, how awesome would that be? How awesome? Just think about that. Day after day, 
they, they saw that God was directing their very path. That God had the cloud by day and the pillow, uh, pillar of fire by night. That, that he was showing that follow me, direct me. Well, I know today that God wants to do the same with us. He wants to do the exact same with us, but too many times uh, we get too busy or we get this. And next thing you know, we take our eyes off the fire. We take our eyes off the cloud. And then it says in verse 13, it says, You came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them the Ten Commandments. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and, then, and brought them water out of the rock for their thirst and told them to go in and possess the promised land which you had shown to, that you had sworn to give them. The verse 21 says this, Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. How many would, I wish that was still in effect uh, today. So, but, but <laughs> and so when they go down to verse 24, it says, So your people went in, and they possessed the promised land. And they took strong cities and a rich land, and possessed houses full of all goods, Cisterns already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate, and they were filled, and they grew fat. And, and delighted, you didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? And, it said, and delighted themselves in your great goodness. Now, let's, let's go to verse 26 here. And it says this, nevertheless... They were disobedient and rebelled against you. Cast your law behind their backs. Therefore, you delivered them into the hand of their enemies who oppressed them. And in the time of their troubles, when they cried out, you heard from heaven. And according to your abundant mercies, you gave them deliverers and saved them from the hand of their enemies. But, verse 28. After they had rest, they again did evil before you. But after he delivered them, after he showed great signs and miracles, after they had rest, they again did evil before you. And, and in that verse 28, I want to read it in the contemporary translation. It says this, but when everything was going well, God's people turned to sin again. So once more, God let their enemies conquer them. So when everything was going well, when everything was going good, they turned to evil. So, you know, you look, and, and basically, Nehemiah chapter 9 really shows you the pattern of God's people. Because it wasn't just one time that God delivered them and made everything good and blessed them, but then when everything was going well, they again forgot who they, so, who they served, they, they neglected their sacrifice, they neglected the Ten Commandments that were given them, and over and over and over and over again, you'll see God's people, through their disobedience, through their lack of desire to serve the one and only God, you see them falling over and over again into calamity, over and over again into bondage, over and over again handed over to their enemies, because they continued to turn away from them. And they forgot the practices. 
They forgot the practices of that daily pursuing God, serving him, seeking him. And so when we look at this and we see, obviously we need to learn from the word of God. We need to learn and we need to see as we look and see uh, what past mistakes that, that we've made and that people have made. We need to glean from it. We need to look and say, okay, here's what they did. Now, when we look at this, there's two areas that a lot of people don't really even think of or realize, two areas that are a wall when it comes to our pursuit and desire for God. And it's this. The greatest enemy that we all have right now is not the devil. It's not the devil. The greatest enemy that we have in our pursuit, in our desire, in that passion for God is this. Our positive surroundings and our past success. Our positive surroundings and our past success. Now, when I saw this and I, was, and I was studying this teaching, I was like, oh, my goodness, this blew me away because it's so true. It's right in front of our face. We see it in Nehemiah chapter 9. We see it as we read through the Old Testament. And, and I want to talk, talk about these two things for, a, for just a little bit and each one of them. And, and it's this. The first one, let's talk about our positive surroundings. Many times, just like the children of Israel, because it describes and it says that, God blessed them. He, the houses they moved into were already full of goods. All the wells in the land were already dug. So they had the wells, they had water. All the olive trees were planted and in bloom and producing fruit trees everywhere. They had everything they wanted. Well, the truth is, let's just be honest. Most of us in this place have grown up and we really live in a positive surroundings. Very few of us go and suffer and don't have anything to eat or anything to drink. Very few in America, very, very few, can't just go to their sink and, do a, and turn a knob and have water and have clean water. Very few. We are surrounded by positive things in our house. We go, we go home, and we go, and we turn a knob or push a button, and we have heat in our house. Let's just be honest. We go, well, it's summertime. Let me turn this down. We have air condition. We have everything. And thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. There's nothing wrong with the blessing of the Lord, all these things he wants to give to us. The Bible teaches us that if an if a earthly father would want to give gifts, how much more will our heavenly father want to give good gifts to us? There's nothing wrong with them. But what we see is this, is many times our positive surroundings numb us to our need for God. Because, well, if I've got food, I go and work. I got a paycheck so I can go and I can get food. Although nowadays it costs about a couple hundred more dollars a week. I shouldn't have said that, but I did. <laughs> I've got food. I've got water. I've got a vehicle. I've got money to put gas in that vehicle and go. I've got everything I need. Why, why do I need Jesus? Why do I need God? 
And even his people become numb to how much we desperately need God because of all the positive surroundings that are in our life. And those positive surroundings can numb us to the fact that every single day we need him. And what happens is, is when we become numb, once again, we go and we start putting all the important things to the back of the bus. Our desire in our relationship uh, with him, our desire is based upon that daily walk with him. That daily time of, I, I'm coming in your presence. I'm coming to your word because I desperately need you. Not because it's a chore that I have to do to get to heaven. Which that's not true. But how many people in our mind have thought that thought? It's not a chore. It's the simple fact that we need him every day of our life. Even when things are going good. Even when things are going good, we need him. He has so much for us. That's the awesome Incredible thing about God, and I thought about this. Uh, I thought about this uh, before. How many has ever thought about what it's going to be like when you go to heaven? I've, I've thought about it. I daydream about my three or four mansions that I'm going to have, and and <laughs> I'm just playing. I've, I'll be okay with the shack. And it's so it's so it's so I daydream about it, and and I've had this thought that we will be him, be with him for all eternity. But for all eternity, he will never cease to amaze us. We will never, oh, come on. We will never get used. Come on. We will never get numb to his glory and his presence. We will never spend enough time one-on-one looking through his eyes. It will never end because he's always more. For all eternity, he will always be more. Well, the same thing is for now. He will always be more. We can never seek him so much that we'll find all that he has to offer for us. He continues to renew us day after day after day. He's never done. He never ends. His glory goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. So we, as God's people, have got to come to the understanding, listen, if I don't want to end up like the Israelites, I've got to make sure that even when things are going well, even when I'm surrounded and I have food, I have water, and and I have blessing, I have a house to go home to, Even when I'm blessed, I've got to understand just how much I desperately need him today. Come on. We cannot let our positive surroundings keep us from pursuing him. We've got to seek him. Seek him. And what the awesome thing is, is that we seek God and serve a God, like I said, that wants to bless us that wants to just pour blessings out upon us. And we're thankful for those things. But we've got to come to the understanding when it comes to desire and passion for God that he always has more. And he always wants to give us more. He always wants to give us more.
The second thing we talked about was walls that can stand in our way for, uh, and stop our desire and our passion in pursuit of God is past success. Many times, how many can think back over the past and there's moments and times that you had with God that are going to stand out for all eternity in you. Moments and times, whether you were in your bedroom and the glory of God fell, or maybe the time uh, that you came and, and walked the aisle and gave your heart to Jesus for the first time. How many know those, mo- those moments are, are they're going to be there? I remember when I gave my heart to Jesus, I, I can, in my mind, I can replay every last step of it, and I can take you to this day exactly where I knelt down with my dad's hand on my shoulder and gave my heart to Jesus. I can take you there, and I'll, I'll never forget that. But listen what happens when, when let, me, let me tell you and describe to you about how past successes can stop us from pursuing God. I'll give you one example is this. I believe in the full gospel. I believe in the word of God, and I know that God has not just left his people without armor, without without uh, authority, uh, without tools uh, to win people for him and to live our life in, in victory and to live our life uh, day after day and to prosper. God has given those things. And, and so one of the things that God gives us is uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and with the evidence of speaking in tongues and, and that prayer language that uh, literally changed my life when I was 13 years old, changed my life right at that moment. But how many times or how many times have we achieved something or got something for God and then we're satisfied with it? And then we're satisfied. Oh, well, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm good now. Without realizing that that gift wasn't just for one time at the altar. That gift was something to be used every single day. Without realizing that the Bible tells us to pursue the gifts of the Spirit. He tells us to pursue the gifts of healing. Come on. He tells us to pursue the gifts that he has given us all by the one spirit, the Holy Spirit. He tells us to pursue it. But a lot of times we'll have that incredible great moment and then we just kind of kick back in our lazy boy after that. Because, okay, I've achieved now. I'm at that level. I'm there now. There's nowhere in the word of God Nowhere in the word of God where it says, well, we're supposed to reach this level and then we can sit back and wait for the rapture. Nowhere. Nowhere. God teaches us to pursue him day after day. And how many gifts are not in use today in our church, in God's church throughout the world, because his people are not pursuing them? How many How many are not in working just because God's people have relied upon their past success and it's like, okay, I'm good. Um, I'm good. I got filled with the Holy Spirit or this or I got saved. And so I'm good. I'm just going to stay right here. But no, God, God teaches us over and over again his word to every single day of our life to go after him. He said, every day, take up your cross and follow. Every day, take up your cross and follow. 
that is an action that is on purpose every day, giving your life to Jesus, picking up his will, his ways, his kingdom, and following after him. That's every single day, pursuit after him. And so we look and we see all of these things that begin to build up walls around us, all of these things, and I can go on. These, these are not the only two reasons or the only two things that stop us from pursuing Christ or um, creates a, a place of satisfaction because I'm blessed, I've got all that I need, and, and God's done some awesome things in my life in the past, all of these things. But there's even more. There's more things out there in our life. Sometimes it's a desire for things um, more than we desire God. More than we desire God. Sometimes it's I desire to have the perfect job, the perfect house, the perfect yard, the perfect dog. There's no cats in heaven, so I'm not going to say anything about cats. <laughs> and it's, it, you guys have seen that teaching, all dogs go to heaven. So, you know, you've seen that. Yeah, and so, sorry for, yeah, sorry about that. And so, so we, we, you know, sometimes our our desires for what's here outweighs our desire for God. Our desire to have this, this, and this. The awesome thing, there's nothing wrong with those desires because the Word of God even teaches us that if we do things the right way and seek after Him, that He'll take care of all of that for us in our life. It's what the Word of God teaches it's what he tells us. So today, you know, the question is this. The question is this. How great is your desire for God? How great is your desire for more of God? How, how passionate are you for God? Has he been, all those things been put to the back of the bus or do all those things drive you day after day after day in pursuit of him? How, how great, how great is your desire for him, for him? And I'm going to talk this morning, and I'm just saying, and obviously we know, we know that there's many ways, many ways that we can that we can ramp up our desire for God and, and, and decide today that, man, I, I'm not going to let any of this stuff today stop me anymore. But I want to give you one, or a place, I should say, I want to give you a place to start this morning. We talked about the walls. We talked about where many times where we're, where we're at in our desire for God and we become satisfied or just kind of numb uh, to our need for him every single day. But step one or a place that we need to go in, in, in our pursuit of God is this, is make it about him. Make it about him. One of the biggest th mistakes that we make is we make our relationship with God about us. When he teaches us the opposite, to go after him and he'll take care of you. But we, we reverse that. We reverse it, and we pursue God for what we need rather than for the fact that he is the one and only God. 
There is no other gods. That he is the creator of everything. Everything seen and unseen. And none of us would be here today if it wasn't for him creating us. None of us would. He deserves all the praise. All the glory. And he deserves all the pursuit from his people. He deserves it. He is God. He is the one and only. And we serve him. We worship him. We glorify him. Because he's everything and he deserves it. He is worthy of it. He is worthy of it. So we've got to make it about him. And not make it about our wealth. We've got to pursue him and make it about him. Not to, we, we can't rely on anything else in our life. We can't rely, rely on our wealth and our positive situation. We can't rely on those things to bring us happiness or, or, or to satisfy us. But the only thing that will satisfy a human being is them doing what they were created for. To have daily relationship with their father. That's the only thing that can do it. So don't look to wealth. Don't look to wealth to give you everything that you need. Don't look to those things that are around you. Make it about him. If we understand that, many people day after day, they, they just, they, they don't live with joy. But because many times, they make it about something that it shouldn't be made up about. They make it about wealth or money or whatever, or pursuit of this or that. They don't make it about God. Don't look to anything else or don't look to anyone else. Don't look to anyone else. Listen, wives, don't look to your husbands to be something that only God can be in your life. Husbands, don't look to your wives to be something that only God can be in your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? God is the only one that we should look to. We should not trust in our politicians our government, because they are not my source. My father, who owns everything, who owns all the riches, is my source, is my source, is my everything. Make it about him and only him, only Jesus we make it about him, and we seek him. I don't know if you guys remember that song. I think the name of it was called Heart of Worship. Do you know that song, Sister Paula? It's all about you. It's all about, yes, yeah. And so, and I was thinking about that song when I was praying. Everybody's like, no, I'm not going to sing this week, okay? Take me back to the heart of worship, to where it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. 
It's not about me. All right. Everybody curl your toes up a little bit in your shoes. Maybe a lot. How many times do we come in to a service and our analysis, our judgment on the day is what we got and what we felt like we got from the service? Did you listen to this? You might have came in and was like, oh, man, I was really hoping Sister Paula was going to do this song because that's my favorite song. Can't believe she didn't feel that in the spirit. <laughs> gonna have to, gonna have to write it an unsigned letter and put it on her desk. <laughs> Paul liked that one. <laughs> well, Pastor Jerry did pretty good today, but. I'm I'm kind of beyond that. That really wasn't for me today. So, yeah, it was good and everything, but just, you know, it was good. I'm sure somebody there needed it. And that's kind of like conversations that we have and talk about. But I want to tell you something. Every time we come in here, the the service should, should be analyzed by us was how much did I bring to my father today? How much did I pursue him? How much did I allow the word of God that was being spoke that day to touch me? How how much worship did I bring him today? Did I give him everything today? Because he deserves it. He is worthy of it. That's what it's about. It's not about us. It's about him. And once again, this is what God asks of us. This is what he teaches us. And at the same point, when we do it that way and do it the right way and make it about him, he takes care of us. How do we not see this? How do we forget about it so often? It's all about him. It's all about him. The greatest gift that I've ever received in my relationship with Jesus is the moment in time when I realize, when I realize how much I desperately needed him. And when that changed in me, my desire to get up early and spend time with him was a no-brainer. My desire to worship him and to pray, when I realized that when I made it about him, He pours out on me. When I realized how much I needed him, how much he wanted to pour his blessings out on me, it changed everything. It's not a burden. It's a blessing. And 
let me just be honest with you. There's time in my life that it felt more like a burden. Everybody's looking at me like I'm really bad. How many can honestly say you, you've had to go through It felt like a burden. They're like, oh, man, I forgot to read my Bible today. Oh, another check on the hell, Mark. You know, another check there. Let's see here. I've got four for heaven and three for hell this today. I'm good. I'm good. That's what the enemy does to you. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. And the enemy tries to take every opportunity he can to lie to you. Our Father so loves us so much, so much. And he wants us to know that he is our everything. He is the answer to every problem, every life struggle. He is the answer. And he's calling us, his people, to once again have a passion and desire for him and make it all about him. Knowing, knowing what will happen when we make it all about him. And I want to, just as we end, if Sister Paula can come up, worship team, what, yeah, it's fine. I want to go back, I want to go back to this scripture that shows just how much he loves us. In verse 27. In verse 27. It says this. Therefore you delivered them into the hand of their enemies who oppressed them. And in their time of trouble, when they cried to you, you heard you heard them. And according to your abundant mercies, not because of our goodness, not because of our works, but because of your abundant mercies, you gave them deliverers who saved them from the hand of their enemies. Psalms 145, 17 and 19 says this. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all of those who call upon him. The Lord is near to all of who, all to all who call on him, to all who call on him. In truth, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears the cry. He hears their cry and saves them. Listen, we're not 100 steps away from revival, from the fire of God, from his deliverance, from his mercy. We're not 100 steps away. We're one cry. Come on. We are one cry. That says, Abba, Father, have mercy on me. God, I want more of you. I cry out to you. We're one cry. One cry away. From God pouring 
Come on. From God pouring out his great mercies upon us. One cry. I'm going to ask today, right now, in this moment, if you're in this place and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he is not your Lord and Savior. You do not have a relationship with him. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to come and just come up to this altar right now. Matter of fact, everybody stand in this place. Everybody stand. If you're in this place, you say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, come. Come to this altar right now. He wants to change your life. He wants to change your life. Anybody in this place? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. And I can just sense in the spirit God is ready to pour out to those who cry out in this place right now. Just go ahead and begin right now. Begin crying out to God in this place. Begin crying out to Abba Father right now in this place. Begin crying out to him. Oh, God, we cry out to you. We seek you, Lord. We seek you, Lord. God, thank you for your abundant mercies, Lord. God, I cry out to you today. Fill me once again with your fire, with your passion. Fill me once again with desire for you, Lord Jesus. Break down all the walls in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And I am coming.